have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Spiritual Sword Media presents The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. And now, Mike Hickson. We're going to be looking today in our study at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. We want to talk about, for the next few minutes, the theme, developing a rock-solid faith. The goal of every Christian is to one day be with God in heaven. That ought to be our goal. No doubt we are beset by struggles and trials and tribulations, difficulties in life. Amidst all of the trials and the tribulations of life, our ultimate goal is to one day be with God in heaven. In order for us to get from earth to heaven, what we've got to do is develop a rock-solid faith. We want, to, we want to have the kind of faith that's not going to be shaken, not going to be moved, but rather we want to, as some would say, dig in our heels and ultimately stand fast, be steadfast, and one day receive the crown. So here's the question. How do we do that? How is it that I, as a child of God, can develop the kind of faith that will stand the test of time? Well, there are two things. First of all, I believe that we must be grounded in our faith. We have to be grounded in our faith. And then, in the second place, we have to guard our faith. It's important that we guard the faith that we possess. And so let's just think along these lines for a moment or two. First of all, the importance of being grounded in the faith. And I would say that when we talk about being grounded in the faith, what we're trying to emphasize is the importance of having a strong and sturdy foundation. Well, if you look at the saints in Colossae, there were a couple of things that stand out as a result of studying this book. First of all, you will see that these people were receptive to the Lord. And there are a number of passages of scripture that emphasize their reception to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we talk about being receptive to the teaching of the Lord, there are a couple of things that no doubt come to mind. First of all, these people had been cleansed by the Lord. Back in chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, the Apostle Paul isolates a couple of things that occurred when these people obeyed the gospel. First of all, he said, they were saved by the blood of Christ. In verse 14, he said, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Christianity is about forgiveness. You and I as the people of God, we are forgiven. The basis for our forgiveness is what? The blood of Jesus. In the Old Testament, we read of those blood sacrifices that were offered on a regular basis. Those blood sacrifices, as you well know, could not take away sin. There was a remembrance made of sin every year, according to the Hebrew writer in chapter 10. But based on the death of Jesus and the shedding of his blood, 
we enjoy forgiveness in the most absolute sense of the word. When Paul wrote to the saints in Ephesus, he said, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. John in Revelation 1.5 said unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. The Hebrew writer would say in Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. You and I, we are blessed people. These people, they were blessed. Why? Because they had been forgiven. They were saved by the blood of Christ and then also they were saved in the body of Christ. One of the things that you have to appreciate about the New Testament is the fact that in a very clear and concise way, it articulates the relationship that we have to the Lord. It emphasizes the fact that when we obey the gospel, we are saved by the blood of Christ and then we are placed in the body of Christ. In Colossians 1, at verse 13, Paul talks about how these people, they had been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. The kingdom that we're talking about is the church. Now sometimes people misunderstand the nature of the church. They don't understand what the church is all about. And there are a lot of people in our world today that have the idea that they can have a relationship with Jesus without being associated to his church. Well, the two go hand in hand. I would suggest that when you obey the gospel, not only are your sins forgiven, on the basis of the blood of Jesus, but you are then added to the body of Christ. Now, Paul said these people have been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. That is, they were placed in the body that we call the church. They became members of the blood-bought body of Jesus. They belonged to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God of the church of Christ it's simply the reservoir of the saved. Did you know that the saved are in the church? Every person that's obeyed the gospel, he or she is in the church. Look at the people on Pentecost Day when they cried out to Peter and the rest of the apostles after having heard the gospel preached for the first time. They asked men and brethren, what shall we do? Well, Peter said, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. In verse 41, the Bible tells us some 3,000 people obeyed the gospel. In verse 47, Luke said, and the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. That is, those who were obeying the gospel, what happened? They were placed in the body of Christ. They belong to the Lord. So, here were people receptive to the Lord. And based on their reception to the Lord, they were cleansed by the Lord Jesus Christ. But then also, there's a second thing. They were said to be complete in the Lord. Look, if you would, at verse 10 of Colossians 2. Paul said, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. One of the problems that existed in the first century, there were some that were teaching any number of things that were foreign to what we would call New Testament Christianity. And I think what Paul is saying here is, look, when you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you had everything necessary to be a child of God. The same is true for us today. It's not Christ and this or Christ and that, but rather when you obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, everything you need, it's in Jesus Christ. It's in him. He is, as Paul said, the head of all principality and power, 
and you are complete. You have been made complete in him. In Ephesians 1.3, Paul said that every spiritual blessing known to man is in Christ. Everything you need that will make you what you ought to be as a child of God, it's in Christ. There are no deficiencies. You don't have to worry about being shortchanged in any way. Well, as we think about these people being receptive to the Lord, there's a second thing that I think we need to see. And again, we're talking about being grounded in the Lord. Not only had they been receptive to the Lord, but they were encouraged to be rooted in the Lord. Look, if you would, in verse 6, of course, Paul had said, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And the idea, they were receptive to the Lord. But then verse 7, he said, Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. What does it mean to be grounded in the Lord? Well, the first thing we have to do is be receptive to the Lord. We have to become one of his children. Then once we become a child of God, what we've got to do then is make sure that our faith is on a sturdy foundation. We've got to make sure that our faith will stand the test of time. What, whatever comes our way, we want to be able to withstand the trials, the, the storms of life. So there are two things here. First of all, you have to dig down. And really what I say is you have to dig down and then build up. Look again at what Paul said, rooted. What does it mean to be rooted? Well, I think about a tree, a plant. In order for a tree or a plant to exist, what does it have to have? It has to have a strong root system, doesn't it? In Psalm chapter 1, well, in, in Psalm 1, the writer there talks about the blessed individual who delights in the law of the Lord. And he said he delights in that law both day and night. And then he said he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Whatever he does, he said, shall prosper. Here, here is the figure that is employed by the psalmist of a blessed, that is, a righteous man, a righteous woman. And that individual has a deep root system, just like a tree that's been planted by the rivers of water. It's got a good root system, has access to water. What does it do? It brings forth fruit. When you and I have a good root system, when we dig down and become established in the faith, well, that means we're not gonna wilt as Christians. We're not gonna, we're not gonna succumb to, to the difficulties and the trials and the tribulations of life. So first of all, you have to dig down. Then what do you have to do? You have to build up. Look again at what Paul said. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. That's what we want to do. We want to be the kind of people that are established in the faith. We're not going to be, we're not going to be the kind of people that are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, everything that comes down the pike, but rather we're firm, we're, we're steadfast. We're in this thing for the long haul. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about the wise and foolish builders. And he emphasizes the importance of listening to the word of God and putting it into practice. He said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them shall be like a wise man that built his house on the rock. He said, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell not. Well, what was the, what was the, the source of, of his strength? He built on a sturdy foundation. What do you and I want to do? We want to build on a good foundation. 
Now just pause here and think with me for a moment. The Bible talks about, the, the Bible talks about in a very plain and forthright, forthright way about the fact that when we obey the gospel, we are said to be babes in Christ. We're babies in Christ. We are spiritually immature, aren't we? Well, as a babe in Christ, here's what Peter said. Desire the sincere milk of the word. Why? That you may grow thereby. What's, what's our desire as a child of God? To grow. We want to grow and to mature. We want to, to develop our faith to the point that we are established in the faith. Now look at what Paul says in verse 7. As you have been taught. One of the ways, the, the, really, the means by which we are established in the faith, grounded in the faith, is teaching, is preaching, studying, meditating on the truth of God. The apostle Peter would say, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How are we gonna grow? How are we going to move beyond infancy in Christ? Well, first of all, you've gotta dig down. Then you've got to build up. Let me just pause here and ask this question. How much time do you spend in this book through the week? Did you know that Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? This book right here will nourish your spiritual life. It will enable you to become grounded in the faith. It'll help you to lay the right foundation and to build on that foundation. What you and I want to do is grow and to mature and to blossom, to bloom, if you please, as children of God. And then spend time in prayer. Pray to God. Paul would say in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, watching therein with thanksgiving. We talk about developing a relationship with the Lord. God speaks to us through his word. We speak to God through prayer. What we want to do is make sure those communication lines are open. And then spend time in worship. The byproducts of worship, spiritual strength, stamina, growth. And so we want to do everything that we can to develop a strong root system. So the first thing we talk about is being grounded in the Lord. But then there's a second thing. Not only are we to be grounded in the faith, but we must guard our faith. Why do you think we need to guard our faith? Well, the reality is the devil's doing everything within his power to circumvent our faith, to destroy us. So listen to what Paul said in verse eight. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. There is a danger to our faith. That, that danger is ever present. I like what Paul said in verse 8. He uses the term beware. Listen to him. Beware lest anyone cheat you. Literally it means beware lest anyone plunder you or take you captive. The idea is here somebody comes in, they sell you a bill of goods, and they carry you away into what? Into their erroneous doctrine. And so Paul is saying, look, what you need to do, you need to be on guard. You need, you need to make sure that you have an adequate defense system in your faith. 
So he's saying, beware the danger, the danger that is ever present. Was it not Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount that said, beware of false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, he said, they are ravening wolves? John, who was called the apostle of love in 1 John 4, verse 1, in, in that context, he's writing to people and, and they were in the midst of some doctrinal problems because there were some that were saying Jesus Christ had not come in the flesh. And John spent a lot of time talking about the fact that Jesus Christ had indeed come in the flesh. But he would say, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try, test the spirits, whether they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So John is simply saying, you need to be on guard. And I think that's what Paul is saying here. Be on guard. Now, why be grounded in the faith? Why guard your faith? Because there's the danger of somebody coming in and robbing you, plundering you of your faith. So, verse 8, Paul said, beware. But what about some of the what about some of the doctrines that were being advocated in the first century? Look at what Paul said in verse 8. He said, beware lest anyone cheat you or plunder you through philosophy and empty deceit. There are a lot of philosophies that have been peddled by men and women down through the ages. Let me just cite for you a couple. The first would be human philosophy. And really philosophy carries with it the idea, the love of wisdom. There's nothing wrong with wisdom. As a matter of fact, Solomon in the book of Proverbs emphasizes the importance of wisdom. Wisdom is extremely important. Knowledge is the assimilation of facts and information, data. Wisdom is knowing how to use the information, the knowledge we possess. Well, there are some people, they're so caught up in what we would call the philosophies of life and the philosophies of men, they lose sight of what we would call godly wisdom. What about human philosophy? Human philosophy seeks to answer some of life's most important questions without revelation. Now, if you look at the book of Proverbs, the wise man accentuates the revelation of Almighty God and the importance of staying close to God. Human philosophy, however, seeks to answer these very important questions, but with total disregard to Scripture. What about life's important questions? Let me just, answer, let me just cite for you a couple. Human philosophy would raise the question of your origin. Where did you come from? There are a lot of people today that are asking the question, where did we come from? And we know that one of the philosophies that is being peddled in our universities, in our schools, all across this land, is the philosophy of evolution. And it parades itself in scientific garb, doesn't it? You listen to these, to these professors, these educators, and you think, boy, aren't they smart. I mean, they just know everything. And what they try to tell you is that you are the product of evolution. Well, that's false. And there are a lot of people today, they are peddling human philosophy and they're asking the question, where did we come from? Well, where did we come from? The Bible says we came from God. God is the one 
who created us in his own image and in his own likeness. And I would say this, to those who say that we are the products of evolution, that we are the products of some kind of cataclysmic explosion, a big bang theory, if you please. Well, here's what the Hebrew writer said. Every house is built by some man. He that built all things is God. Every day when the sun rises, that is testimony of an almighty God. God is not without witness in creation. And so human philosophy seeks to answer the question, where'd you come from? A second question, what are you doing here? Is it not the case there are a lot of people today asking, what is my purpose in life? Look at how many philosophers have been, been around uh, the block, so to speak, and have been advocating the purpose of man. What's your purpose? Why are you here? What are you doing here? What's life all about? Is it about materialism, money, about enjoying the goods that you possess here on earth? Or is there a higher purpose? Is there another reason you're here? Well, I believe that we're here for a purpose. That purpose is to glorify Almighty God. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12, Solomon said, this is, this is man's all. In other words, this is what man is all about. Fear God, keep his commandments. What's the purpose of mankind here on earth? It's not about personal gratification. It's about bring, bringing glorification to an almighty God. And then there's a third question that philosophers sometimes will ask. Where are we going? Have you ever listened to the news and listened to some of the guys that are providing what we would call commentaries on the various stations that are on television? And they'll talk about what's, what's beyond this veil of existence. They'll, they'll talk about life beyond the grave. And sometimes they'll paint a very dismal picture. There are a lot of people today, they've embraced atheism, agnosticism. The agnostic would simply say, how can we know there's a God? Well, let me tell you what, the Bible answers where we came from, what we're doing here, and where we're going. And the Bible says that we're, we are moving closer every day to eternity. Why do we need to make sure that we follow scripture? Why is it that we, make, we need to make sure that we are grounded in the faith? Because there are any number of human philosophers out in the world. And they'll tell you, look, you are the descendant of an ape. Or you came forth from the sea. Or you are the product of some kind of explosion. And why are you here? Well, it's just, it's just so you can enjoy yourself here on earth. Bring gratification and pleasure to your physical body. Where are you going? Well, when this life ends, guess what? That's it. That, my friend, is bunk. The Bible says we're here for a purpose and ultimately we will step out into eternity to be with an almighty God. Let me just very quickly cite for you a couple of other human philosophies. We live in a day and time when many people have bought into the philosophy of pluralism. There are some would say we need to take a subjective approach to life. And the idea is anything goes. Anything goes and we, what we need to do is embrace everything. Is it not the case we live in a, day, in a day and time when many people have that idea? Your religion is just as good as mine. Your thinking is just as good as mine. Listen, 
All of us have the opportunity. We have the right to, to study, to draw our conclusions. We have the right to offer our opinions. But when it comes to truth, there's just one body of truth. That body of truth is Scripture. How many times have you heard in recent years that it doesn't matter what God you follow? It doesn't matter what book you follow. Well, in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way. In the original, that is the employment of what we would call a definite article. And what Jesus is saying is, I am the exclusive way. There is no other way outside of me. He said, I am the way, I am the truth. Jesus, the perfect embodiment of divine truth. Jesus came and brought what? Truth. Just one source of truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And all Jesus is saying is this, you want access to God the Father, you want to enjoy a relationship with the Father, the one who created this world, let me tell you what, that relationship is afforded only through me. Listen to what Luke said in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There are some that have embraced what we would call a pluralistic mindset. And the idea is, your thinking, your theory, your religion, just as good as mine. Again, along the lines of this subjective thought, well, there is a standard. What's that standard? It's truth. Very quickly, before we close, Paul talks about the traditions of men. There are really two kinds of traditions. There are traditions that are rooted in mankind. They have human origin, and there are traditions that are rooted in Scripture. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, Paul said, Therefore stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Let me give you an example of divine tradition, the Lord's Supper. We partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. Why do we do that? Because we have apostolic precedence for it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Acts chapter 20, verse 7. We partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. Why do we do that? Because it is a tradition rooted in, in scripture. And so we want to hold to the tradition of Almighty God. And then he talks about the, the principles or the elements of this world. And the idea here is that some people have come to the conclusion that life is dictated by the stars. Now, pick up the newspaper. What do you read? You can go to a certain section in your newspaper and you'll see you, your astrology sign. And the idea is that the stars are controlling your life here on earth. All Paul is saying is don't buy into that. Don't, don't buy into that philosophy, into that way of thinking. Let me close by saying this. You want to have a rock solid faith? You want to be what you ought to be as a child of God? Stay in this book. Stay in this book day and night. Read it, study it, meditate on it. Spend time in prayer Build your faith. Become grounded in the faith. And then secondly, guard your faith. The best defense system for your faith is this book right here that we call the Bible. You want to go to heaven? This book right here is the compass. You follow this book, guess what? You'll get from earth to heaven. 
You close this book, you lay it to the side, you don't read it, you don't study, you don't meditate upon it, guess what? You're not gonna make it. You've got to follow the divine compass. Maybe you're here today, you're not a Christian. Maybe you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Could I encourage you to do that? Why not do what they did in the first century? When the apostle Paul recounted his conversion to Christ, He said that Ananias said to him in the long ago, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. When you're washed in a watery grave of baptism, every sin forgiven. Why? Because the blood of Christ has now become a part of your life. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love Hi, I'm Mike Hickson. We hope you've enjoyed the Anchor of the Soul radio broadcast. Our worship services at the Olive Branch Church of Christ begin at 10 a.m. each Sunday morning. Our Sunday evening service starts at 6 p.m. If you're in the Olive Branch area, we would love to have you visit with us. Services at the Olive Branch Church of Christ are streamed live over the Internet each week. Please visit our website for additional details. That website is www.olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Join us again next Sunday morning on this station at 8.30 a.m. for the Anchor of the Soul. This is a presentation of Spiritual Sword Media.